Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. My name is Lucinda Carney, and I'm your host. And this week is a solo episode, and I'm going to do it on the topic of SMART objectives. Now, I realise that this is an acronym that probably everybody feels they know really, really well. But it's something that actually I believe to be way more than an acronym. And I was inspired to do this as a podcast topic when I was working with a group of HR business partners recently. And although they totally understood know what SMART stood for, they actually found it really quite difficult to support their line managers in making objectives smarter. So my experience is many times over that almost everybody knows what SMART stands for, but when it comes down to making a SMART objective, it's much more difficult. So this is something I thought was worth doing a quick episode on with some tips on how if we're in the HR business partner role, we can help our managers improve their objectives. And on top of that, if you are a manager, as has been the case on a few recent episodes and also our earlier episodes, there is a relevance for this topic for people who aren't in the HR or learning and development space. So I thought it might be something of interest to wider the wider audience that we also have listening to us. So SMART, what does it stand for? I'll let you think about it a moment as if we were sitting on a training course together. Now, of course, most people know that it does stand for, the S stands for specific, and we'll come back to what we mean by this later. The M stands for measurable. The A stands for achievable. So what do you think the R stands for? Now, I'm pretty sure some people will be saying realistic out there. And yes, realistic is an answer. I tend not to accept that because I believe realistic is pretty much the same as achievable. So the R that I would look to um, use in this situation would be relevant. And by relevant, we're talking about business relevant and individually relevant. I'll come back to each of these. And the T, of course, course, stands for timed. I also like to think of an additional S in terms of stretching and an additional A in terms of agreed. So why am I that specific? Do I just like thinking of uh, <laughs> thinking of letters and um, acronyms and adding these together to a certain extent? No, really, the reason for this is that SMART is actually way more than an acronym. It's one of the pieces of behavioural science or psychology, which has got huge amounts of research a- attached to it. It's actually something which has been proven to be effective in motivating high performance. And it's something which people who have let's say both um, specific and stretching objectives that they consider to be achievable are much more motivated than those who even they think they've got easy objectives. So it is interesting that goal setting is something that we should be doing within organisations. I know on previous podcasts, we've talked about whether or not appraisals should happen or otherwise. Whatever your view in terms of uh, annual appraisals or ongoing performance conversations, 
undoubtedly, if you want to drive motivation and performance, you want objectives to be part of that. But that's not wishy-washy objectives. That is smart objectives. And smart is something that if the individual considers it to be stretching, but achievable, then they're going to be more motivated and more likely to perform against it. Now, of course, who is best positioned to know whether an objective is achievable yet stretching? The individual, of course. And that's why my second A is agreed. Gone are the days where cascading top-down objectives is an appropriate thing to do. It's really just not, not the right thing to do. We want people to suggest what their objectives are, ideally. So they may have a good idea of what an objective that would be relevant to them would look like. And they can position that objective and then it should be agreed with the line manager. Then on a regular basis, we should, of course, be following up with that. And actually that links into some smart people like to call it a smarter analogy. And the er would be E and R. And they would say that the objective needs to be engaging. So something that people want to do and also reviewable. So there's lots of pieces of information there, but you put them all together. That's how you have good quality goals. And the one I haven't referred to too much so far is that of being relevant. So the relevant we're talking about is relevant both to the individual's job role and to the overall objectives or strategy of the organisation. This is really important when you think about things around engagement. It helps us to understand how our job, whatever it might be that we're contributing to, has a golden thread between us and the overall business purpose. So it's equally important to have that connection for the individual to appreciate and understand how relevant it is. So plenty there to think about. But again, putting it into action isn't always that easy. And I have to say, in my time, I've seen a number of really poor objectives. Now, I'm not quite sure how this will work in terms of... um, Well, I'm going to try it on the podcast to see if you're driving or listening. I'm going to give you a few examples and let you think about whether or not they're any good or not. So I've got one here which says, I will reduce our stock levels by 20% over the next six months. I can achieve this because the analysis done last month shows there is this possibility. Is that a smart objective to you? Well, certainly it's got a metric in there. It's talking about reducing stock by 20% and it's got a time frame, although it says over the next six months. In terms of achievable, it's saying I can achieve it. So clearly they believe it is, but we have no context here to know if it's stretching. So let's look at the SMART analogy. Is it specific? Well, it just says our stock. And this is where the first danger zone comes in for me. So I'd say that It isn't specific and actually it's quite dangerous that it isn't specific because what kind of stock are we talking about here? We don't quite know why they want to do it either. Are they doing it to save money? Are they doing it to save space? Because that might make a difference in the type of stock that you choose to move. But the biggest point I take from this particular example is the fact that sometimes we measure the things that are easy to measure rather than the right things. So if we imagine that we are a car, a car spares um, company and our most the, the piece of um, equipment that goes out that says tyres on a regular basis, on the f- most frequent piece of stock that goes out is tyres. If we reduce our stock levels of tyres by 20%, that may well have a direct impact on our ability to service our customers. We'd always be ordering them in. We may not. We may lose customers. So actually, it could be 
counterproductive as an example. So we need to be more specific about the kind of stock. So maybe non-essential or long-term stock or stock of a certain size or value. Also, because it's saying reducing it by 20% over a period of time, I'm not really that clear on what that means in the end. One of the main points that often comes out of exercises that I run with people about objective setting is the fact that we tend to write objectives which are milestones or the the how to get there as opposed to the objective. When we're setting objectives, we need to help people to set them about the output, the actual end goal or overall what. So in terms of that stock, it might be about having um, proportions of a certain kind of stock or a certain value of stock, being specific about what the output would be in six months time, as opposed to measuring how we get there. Now, that doesn't mean that milestones aren't important because I think milestones are very helpful in gauging um, progress and also for giving people clarity. The reality is that objectives are not naturally 12 months long, like many appraisal cycles. So having milestones to help us along the way is a really useful way of doing it. But the key is the overall goal should be the output. We should know what it is that we're here to achieve. One thing that sometimes I find with organisations is that They make their goals, if they are output related, very absolute. So they might ask someone to achieve 100% of something. Now, we talked about ratings a few weeks ago. If you're in a position where you want this to end up in a rating, then actually 100% is quite hard to overachieve. So you'd need to maybe look at timeframes if it was essential to hit 100% or is it possible to hit 110? So do think about when you're setting an objective, Are you setting someone up to be able to fully achieve, overachieve it? And make sure you have that level of dialogue if you're going to end up rating performance to understand what different levels of performance look like. So moving on in terms of our objectives, we've talked about them being outputs and that's all very well. But sometimes I've experienced people having objectives which they find frustrating because although it's a goal, it might be increase the customer satisfaction score by 5% or actually that that would be a process. So it's a achieve a customer satisfaction score of 8.5%. Now that is a, a big output related objective. But if I only manage a very small team, is that within my grasp? So that would be an example of an objective that's a strategic objective. It's probably been cascaded. There's probably in the business balance scorecard, if they have one, they've got this overall goal. But it isn't something that I personally can control. So what we need to do in that situation, I I understand why we're doing it, because we've got this overall purpose of increasing customer satisfaction. How do I do it? So if I ask myself, how do we do it? Then I might look at activities that are relevant to my area or my team. So I might put in place something like a KPI around uh, answering the phone on a regular basis. Now, again, that's a how. But I might look at how I can put in place an activity which gives customer feedback on a regular basis. That uh, to gather, I might have an objective which is gather 20 pieces of customer feedback or survey feedback and produce a summary explaining how we're doing currently and how we can increase our performance. So it might be something which is more absolute and relevant to my area. Forgive me, any of these ones I'm doing on the hoof are not smart. I'm just thinking these through. 
often you might have something like um, in terms of employee engagement, you might have something like a department target could be for 85% of staff to have had annual appraisals or one-to-ones documented in a, in a system by a certain deadline. So you can have more absolute examples like that. The point really that I'm trying to make is that make sure an objective not is not only smart, but make sure it's at the right level for the person that it pertains to. So if we're trying to see whether or not it's at the right level, I say, can I influence this? If not, the question to ask is how? How would I affect this? And it's quite common for you to have an overall, it could be quite a general strategic vision. So we understand why we're doing it. It's to support a strategic vision. But there are more than one, there's more than one how. So in my area, I could have two or three objectives, which would be about increasing customer satisfaction. Now, when I'm working with, it's all very well, so we've had to think about what sort of objectives we may come up with, but it's good for us to have a think about how we can make objectives smarter. So if you're someone who's working alongside one of your your, uh, individuals in your organisation, you might think about the questions that you can ask to help them make their objectives smarter, to refine them. So the sort of questions you're going to want to use are your coaching questions. So if you've somebody who has got something that's maybe a a, a milestone they've written or it's a process objective, then you can ask them a question like, what is the end goal or output that you want to achieve here? So it's helping them to understand what is it they're actually trying to achieve. Another one, which is quite good if it's not very specific, would be something like, if I were your next manager and didn't understand your role, would I be able to tell that you've met this objective fully in 12 months time? Or again, what is the actual outcome of this objective? Why are you doing this objective? Why have you got this? We've got to do this. A lot of these are just helping people to understand what is the end point. Although that was a why question, that's not necessarily going up to strategy, although it could be about influencing strategy. It's what's the end point of this activity in terms of achieving it? Am I trying to uh, deliver more library books? Is that what I'm doing? Or am I trying to ensure that every student in our university uh, has access to enough textbooks and time. It's, it's a different It's a different angle on what you're trying to achieve. Now, also, you can have things like asking them to be a bit more specific. So could you be a bit more specific or how could you be a bit more precise? Other questions about measures. How can we measure success here? How can we overachieve this? And how does this support the overall strategy? So just lots of nice open what or why questions. You only need two or three to help that person refine their objective. And once people get the hang of it, very often they realise that what they're doing is they're writing process objectives as opposed to outcomes. So you help them to get to what is the outcome that we're looking to achieve and they can have milestones, which are the how objectives along the way. Now, one smaller watch out that I think is worth raising is quite often when you're reviewing objectives, you see sort of non-words really in, within them, which, which make things overly gener- g- general. So there might be things like continue to or assist. So what do people mean by that? If you spot those kind of words, it says, what does continue to mean? And actually, if you've got something like continue in there, does that mean you're setting an objective, which is someone's day job? It's a, quite a tricky one that actually about whether or not objectives should reflect people's day jobs or not, because it does depend when you the sort of role that people have within an organisation. My general advice would be it must be relevant to the day job, but it should be ideally setting a stretch 
on the day job. So it's something that's that maybe it's a project that I'm going to do this year, which will allow me to define and implement a new process. And once I've done that, and that process is implemented and everyone's learned how to follow it, then that becomes business as usual. So it wouldn't be an objective for me next year. Other words are things like assist or monitor or consider. Well, if I say monitor something, so what? Why am I monitoring it? So rather than monitor it, I want to achieve a certain level of something. The way I do that might be to monitor our current levels and then make a change in which to to alter them. So there are certain words that you often see inserted in objectives, which when you take a step back and say, well, what does that actually mean? Uh, They can be a bit confusing and they're worth removing. So that's just my quick input into objectives. The one point I suppose worth making as to why do we want objectives, I did say it at the start in terms of the fact that it's so important to have clear objectives for people to be motivated. Um, and if they've got stretching but achievable objectives, people feel they're getting somewhere. So if that sense of fulfillment, they're really relevant. However, if you just set them and never review them, you don't get anywhere near the benefit out of them. And the other watch out for that is, because it is objective setting and um, review and feedback is what really drives high performance. But the other point is, if it gets to the end of the year and I've got a smart objective or we believed it to be a smart objective, but we haven't had any conversation about my progress against this or whether I'm on track with it, you do leave yourself open as a manager for disappointment. So smart objectives, we do need to have a conversation Um, between ourselves and the individual on a regular basis or two or three times a year at least to understand whether the way the person is interpreting that objective however smart is the same as the way you are interpreting it because if you are going to end up in some form of rating or reward that's an output of this you don't want to set people up for failure and you don't want to set them up for, for um, for disappointment. So it is about agreeing a good quality objective in the first place. It should be fairly clear as to whether someone has achieved it or not, but we are talking about business and behaviours and they're not all going to be just hard numbers. So do make a point of having a conversation with that person that you're working with to make sure they know what good looks like. And if you're an HR business partner, coaching a manager, then make sure they realise how important it is to have it documented your interpretation of excellence or achieving or overachieving that objective. So that's it. A reasonably quick one because I'm sure lots of you know lots about smart objectives. I hope there were one or two points that maybe have got you thinking or that were helpful there. As I say, it came out of me having a conversation with uh, seven or eight HRBPs who knew the acronym but really found it quite hard to work with people to make their objectives smarter. So hopefully that might give you the opportunity to help your people that you work with too. Thank you so much for listening. As ever, please do get in contact, connect with us, me on LinkedIn. All of my contact details are in the show notes. We also have a paper on this and a couple of videos actually, which I'll put the connection to it. It might be easier because there's real examples in there that you can read that might be easier than me reading them through a podcast. And um, you can download a paper on how to set smart objectives, uh, which you can download from our website too. So hopefully you enjoyed our conversation about how to set smart objectives. This is Lucinda Carney of the HR Uprising. Thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.